Coming up on Studios America, Brian Riedel has the latest on the Democrats' plan to spend our way out of debt, which is one way to go about it, I suppose. We might be seeing the official FDA approval of the COVID vaccine for kids before too long. We'll give you the details on that. And the mainstream media has been hedging back and forth for weeks now over the Biden administration's planned trillion-dollar infrastructure bill plus. But does any of it mean anything? Now is the perfect time to find out because we're doing Infrastructure Week! Stu does America. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it was Infrastructure Week. Mm -hmm. It's true. Our bridges and our roads are crumbling. Of course, that continued on and on through the Obama administration. Remember this? Obama administration kicks off Infrastructure Week. Funding push. And then it was Infrastructure Week during the Trump administration. Trump opens Infrastructure Week without a plan and calls for privatizing air traffic control. Ah, the problems of yesteryear. And then again in the Trump administration, Trump looks to revitalize infrastructure push with New York meeting. And then again in the Trump administration, Trump unveils infrastructure plan. And then one more time in the Trump administration, Trump in State of the Union pushes for great rebuilding of America's crumbling infrastructure. And now, I'm incredibly happy to welcome you to Infrastructure Week 2021! Yes, I, I think it's Infrastructure Week 10 now, but I don't know. Whatever it is, I'm happy to be here. And you'll notice something about Infrastructure Week 10. Other than a lot of slurred words and incoherent rants, it's sort of like the old Infrastructure Weeks, except the numbers are a lot higher. We're going to delve into the details about what exactly is in all of these plans with Brian Riedel here in just a couple of minutes. But if you haven't been following all that closely because you were more interested in the rest of our society collapsing... Here are the basics. Bipartisan, hard infrastructure plan is the first part of this. Now, this is both sides coming together. About a trillion dollars in spending needs 60 votes in the Senate, or you need at least 10 Republicans. Uh, I think it passed with like 69 Republicans, or 69 total votes. So that part of it is going to be fine. Partisan, a soft infrastructure plan, Democrats only, please. $3.5 trillion in spending. Now, that only needs 50 votes to get passed in the uh, Senate and the House because they're going to do it through reconciliation. You don't need any Republicans at all to get there. All right, so Democrats have the House. They've got the Senate. They got the hard part of this, which was to get a bunch of Republicans to inexplicably jump on board for their infrastructure plan. So what's the problem? You got the Republicans where you need them, which is an embarrassment, by the way. Why not just pass the bills and go ahead bankrupting the nation like you were so want to do. Well, every infrastructure week needs drama. So where's the drama coming from this infrastructure week? Well, we have two different warring factions here. You have the Joe Mansions of the world saying, I want the bipartisan hard infrastructure bill, the roads, the bridges, the tunnels. But $3.5 trillion dollars that's just too high of a price tag for me to pass with zero Republican support. So that's one side of it. 
Then you have the AOCs of the world, and they say, I want every dime of that $3.5 trillion bill. Actually, I wanted $6 trillion. I've already moved so much. <laughs> I'm going to sob like I just allowed Israel to defend themselves again. She wanted $6 trillion, and now she's only getting three point five. She will not go one penny less than $3.5 trillion. Because if it shrinks any more than that, I'll pull my support for the bipartisan hard infrastructure bill, and you won't be able to pass either. That's the drama. That's the push and that's the pull. Are we really taking this seriously? Is this drama really meant to be taken seriously? This is a bunch of theater in action for you to be entertained. Yes, there's a bit of negotiation going on here. But are you really telling me that either side is going to lose, say, $3 trillion in spending because they can't have four especially when $4 trillion is just the next 10 years. It's not $4.5 trillion they want to spend. It's infinite trillions of dollars. Programs last forever. They never go away. This is far too big a deal for Democrats to blow this. So they won't. They're going to come up with something. Are we really supposed to believe this nonsense? Think of it this way. AOC is basically like a college guy. He's going to hit on every hot college freshman he can find, and he wants to do everything he's ever seen on the Internet with all of them. Joe Manchin is kind of like a college girl. She's excited to go to all the parties, hee-hee, and meet all the college guys, woohoo! Sure, of course, she wants to go to the parties, but maybe she just wants to have a couple drinks and make out. Maybe a little heavy petting. Perhaps a bit of a missionary if the mood strikes. But remember... Joe Manchin's a good girl, after all, and he can't do all those disgusting, gross things that AOC wants. Somehow, we're supposed to believe that when the college girl says she only wants to fool around a little, the college guy is going to say, no, I demand triple X German porn sex or nothing. I won't accept your regular person sex. Bring in the midgets, bring in the horses, or I shall be abstinent until graduation day. Does anybody believe this? When it comes down to it, the college guy is going to go exactly as far as the college girl allows. That's nature for you, and that's the Democratic Party. And that is what, what is going to happen with this spending package. If Manchin says, I won't go a dime past $2 trillion, AOC is going to try to force him to go as far as she possibly can. Maybe it'll be 2.2 or 2.5 or maybe 1.5. Who knows what the number will be? But you can safely bet they will consummate this relationship. And honestly, the only reason the number is going to drop is because they're going to play tricks with the accounting. This is how they play these games. They don't actually not spend your money. That's not part of this. They'll do things like, there's a couple tricks they can use all the time. For example, when you hear they're going to spend $3.5 trillion, what does that actually mean? It means they're going to spend $3.5 trillion over the next 10 years. So what can they do? to shrink the cost of a bill. Let's say you have um, uh, universal pre-K. They'll just change the time frame. 
You think a Republican is stepping in after six years of universal pre-K and stopping it? They'll just say instead of 10 years of it, we're, it's, it's only six years of universal pre-K and we'll reassess after six years. Well, guess what happens after six years? Everyone's used to getting pre-K for free and no one wants to give it up because people like free things, especially when just some evil rich person is paying for it. Another thing they'll do is they'll, they'll cut the top off. They'll shave a little bit off the top. You know, they'll give lesser perks for those evil rich people. So I guess Bill Gates has to pay for his own pre-K, but everybody else gets it for free. I mean, uh, these are minor changes, and they will be adjusted to be more universal later on. The Democrats know the game. They know if they can get these things started, it's very difficult to get them stopped. Look at Obamacare. You throw it up there, really unpopular, everybody hates it, everybody thinks it's ruining their health care. But eventually you get to a point where they've budgeted that money for something else and they like the free stuff, so they'll take it. The correct number for these bills, of course, are not $4.5 trillion or $2.5 trillion. The correct number for these bills is $0 trillion. That is the number we should be spending right now. Zero trillion, zero trillion, zero billion, zero million, zero. That's what we should be spending. We don't have any of this money. So to act as if we're actually spending it is just fooling ourselves. Even if these were normal times, this would be completely insane. But shall I remi remind you of what we've done over the past 18, 19 months or so? We just came off of spending $7 trillion in less than two years, plus another $7 trillion in action from the Fed on COVID. $14 trillion. Those were one-time expenditures, supposedly. These programs and these new bills will last forever. We would be better off driving the $4 trillion to Nevada and conducting a nuclear test on top of the money. At least that's just wasting $4 trillion. These programs will never end. This is infinite trillion dollars. In the end, Democrats know they're probably going to lose full control of the government next year. They know they have to move right now. Never let a crisis go to waste. We'll dive into the details of this horror show with Brian Riedel next. Being a responsible citizen. Ah, yes. Remember the days when every once in a while you'd bump into one, you know? Now pretty much they're all gone, but maybe you're still a responsible citizen and you know as maybe a father or a mother, a grandmother or a grandfather. You know you have to set up your next generation. Why else did you go to work every day? You didn't go to work because it was fun. You went to go to work because you wanted your family to be secure. If you don't take care of your will, it's not gonna be that way. Who knows what could happen after you're gone? At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple, convenient, and secure. For as little as 39 bucks, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, and plan for future medical care, all from the comfort of your own home. And with live customer support seven days a week, trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan. Trust and Will is the most trusted name in online estate planning, the category leader on Trustpilot, and they've helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their family, assets, and legacy. Gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash stew, and you get 10% off 
your, uh, plus free shipping of your customized legal documents as well. Don't wait. Go right now. It's really important to get this. Be a rep responsible citizen. You know, get this taken care of for your family's sake. 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash stew. It's trustandwill.com slash stew. We have so many trillions to spend and such little time to spend it. That's why we're happy to welcome back to the program Brian Riedel, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Brian, how's it going? I'm doing well, Stu. How are you? Uh, really well. I appreciate you coming on on this important infrastructure week, which is, I believe, the 10th one we've had over the past few years. Um, can we talk about the various spending plans that are out there? Because I don't know that people can can figure out and keep track of everything. But can we start first with the one point? One, $1.2, $1 trillion infrastructure bill. This is the one that passed uh, the Senate and is, has bipartisan agreement on it. What is in this one? Yeah, well, beginning of the year, there was $1.9 trillion in a stimulus bill already enacted. So the spending spree is already well in gear. <laughs> this $1.2 trillion bill consists of about $600 billion in new spending above the baseline. And it's really just a grab bag. A little bit of it goes to highways. Uh, a lot of it goes to rail and buses and and electric cars and all sorts of broad purposes. So some of it goes to corporate welfare. A little bit of it goes to Green New Deal. It, it's really just kind of a grab bag of about 20 small things and nothing that's really going to make a difference. I don't think it's anything that's really going to change anything. It's not going to relieve traffic congestion. It's not going to create high-speed rail across the country. A little bit goes to airports. It's just a little nip and tuck for a lot of things that adds up to $550 billion in new spending out of about $1.2 trillion total. Lawmakers will tell you it's fully paid for. It is not even close to paid for. <laughs> God, there's so much to go off just on this particular bill. Let me start with this because <laughs> they, they, I've heard this a bunch of times. It's $1 trillion bill but it's only $550 billion in new spending. Why that discrepancy? Because the trillion, the, the $1.1 trillion includes the cost of continuing current programs. We already have a federal highway program that's already part of the baseline. We already have Amtrak subsidies and, and FAA subsidies. We're going to be renewing the programs that already exist. That's about $650 billion over 10 years. And then adding about $550 billion more on top of it. The thing that frustrates me, we have some of the most overexpensive, bureaucratic, slowly built, costliest infrastructure in the entire world. There is virtually no reforms to that. Um, it's still, it's still going to take 7 to 17 years just to finish the environmental impact statements. All they're doing is just throwing new money on top of what we're already spending with no real reforms. It's amazing because a lot of times you hear people saying, like, well, we need our roads and our bridges. Yeah, we were already spending a lot of money on infrastructure. It's not like we, we were down to zero dollars and we were going to let these things just wither away. We were spending a fortunate on it already. And this is on top of that. And because it doesn't seem to really do anything new and dynamic that's going to change things like alleviate traffic or some big goal, the question comes to mind is why would Republicans go along with this? What possible purpose? Is it just to hand Joe Biden a win because they liked him from his years in the Senate? 
Well, you you bring up a great question is if the, the $60 billion a year Washington is spending on these programs doesn't really seem to be improving our infrastructure much, maybe we should actually try to address the reasons the $60 billion isn't helping rather than just doubling it and throwing more money at programs that aren't working. Some Republicans are voting for this because they're very used to being called the party of no, the party of mm. obstructionism. And some of the Republicans feel like if we throw Joe Biden this $1 trillion bone, as if $1 trillion isn't that much money, it's still one of the most expensive bills in American history, then we won't look as obstructionist when we when we vote against the other bills. I think, you, I think they're giving the media too much credit to be fair in terms of that treatment, but that's where I think a lot of Republicans are coming from. It's such a strange idea, especially when they've basically said these two things have to move together. If we don't get one, if we don't get the big three point five trillion, we're going to talk about in a second. The one one trillion isn't isn't going to be part of it. So it's it's a bizarre gift to them. So they don't have to try to pass a four point five or four point six trillion dollar you know bill on its own. The other part of this is this giant spendathon. I mean, it's just it really is just a collection of things that people like AOC have wanted for a long time. And they are trying to jam this in through reconciliation. They only need 50 votes to do it. They don't need one mm-hmm. Republican vote. And this would be, if I'm not mistaken, the largest spending bill in U.S. history. It would definitely be the largest Adjusted for inflation, the largest bill I've ever seen uh, in my measurements of American history. It is enormous. Uh, I remember about 20 years ago when Republicans passed a $400 billion Medicare drug entitlement, and that was one of the biggest bills since the Great Society, and it was a huge big deal, $400 billion. The Democrats are going almost 10 times bigger than that, and they're doing this after we just spent $3 trillion on the pandemic last year, and they're doing it with all their other bills, too. Add it all up. We're looking at about eight or nine trillion dollars in new spending in two years. This is this is unlike anything we have seen since World War Two. This exceeds what we did during the New Deal. And the three point five trillion dollars here in this in the reconciliation bill, as you mentioned, it's really just kind of another liberal grab bag of all sorts of of public housing, Green New Deal, um, corporate welfare subsidies, child care subsidies, paid leave, new health care entitlements. They really just took off the shelf everything on the old liberal wish list, dusted it off, and added up the $3.5 trillion. Although really, uh, if you take out the gimmicks, this is going to cost closer to $5 trillion over 10 years. Yeah, explain some of these gimmicks, because you've walked me through some of these before. And it, you know, that's what's on, what's what's, I think... The, the issue of like the, the supposed Joe Manchin fiscal restraint we're about to witness here, he might be able to get that bill under three point five trillion. But the way they're going to do it is by shaving years off these programs and doing accounting tricks. Can you walk people through this? Exactly. In instances, the Democrats last year did a big expansion of the child tax credit up to three thousand dollars or thirty six hundred if your child is under the age of six. Democrats have no ex- no hope of this or no uh, proposal to this policy end. They have said we want the higher cr- child tax credit to last forever. We have no intention of letting it expire. However, in their bill, it expires in four years. The reason they put that expiration is because then the cost expires at four years. Mm. But what the Democrats have made clear is that at the end of the four years, we'll just do a one-year extension and then another one-year extension. Well, each year's extension is $130 billion. So just 
the extension of six years to this policy would be $780 billion. But that's not listed in the $3.5 trillion because you, you basically put in a false expiration. Let's pretend that Congress is going to let it expire. When the Democrats have made clear there's no way in the world they're going to let it expire. You have timing gimmicks like that throughout the entire bill. And the Democrats right now have said they're going to throw more timing gimmicks into it um, that they have no intention of keeping in order to make it look like like the cost is lower than it is. And somehow this is acceptable in our society. I mean, this is fraud. If Enron does it, the people, Ken Lay goes to prison over it, right? This is just out and out fraud and they do it every single time. Yeah, this is this is literally some of the same things that Enron actually did. <laughs> literally, some of these same gimmicks. Uh, Congress has learned from the best. But, I mean, but it's a game. It's a game they play. If they play enough games with the cost, the Congressional Budget Office, which is required to score the bills as Congress tells them is going to give them the artificially low number and then they're going to trumpet that to reporters and reporters are going to circulate that low number even though it's totally fiction and it's going to circulate throughout the echo chamber and this is how the game is played. Yeah, it seems to me, Brian, that they're really we need to do some work on reconciliation as a as an idea. You know, you can see I mean the idea was, if I'm not mistaken, that, you know, you get it to 50 votes if we're going to lower the debt. So there's some pressure to constantly mm -hmm. be able to lower the debt. And then every party that gets in just uses it to pass whatever they want and game the system. So it looks like it's lowering future deficits and future debt. This is just a scam. Yeah. Reconciliation has become a once annual get out of jail free card for tax and spending bills. We don't have a get out of jail free card for social reforms uh, or regulatory reforms, but every year you get one essentially get out of filibuster free card for taxes and spending. And Democrats are using that card to go on, on a historic spending spree. It really makes you wonder what's the point of even having a reconciliation process when it's, it's really a only purpose is to help the majority party expand the debt. Mm. Uh, so uh, we, we kind of started the show with an idea, Brian, of talking about this sort of fake drama in the middle of, of this reconciliation where I just don't believe it. I, I frankly don't believe there's any chance they don't pass these these two bills. I think they're going to come down and, and eventually AOC will give on the on the top line number and they'll, they'll gimmick it out. And Manchin will say he held back, a, you know, a half a trillion dollars. He can go back to the voters mm -hmm. with that. I mean, this just seems like a complete game. Do you believe any of this drama that maybe we won't spend all this money? The money is going to get spent. Um, you know, de look, de Democrats are, are are bipartisanly in favor of some degree of spending. They, they disagree on how much they want to do, but there's enough policies in here like the child credit, family leave. Democrats support enough of this stuff. Something is going to pass eventually. It may not be as much as they want, but there is bipartisan support to do at least some of this. And the reality for, for conservatives is that Nancy Pelosi is an extraordinarily effective Democratic leader. She she knows how to twist arms. She's the one who helped get Obamacare passed in 2010. She knows how to twist arms and get get bills enacted. And, you know, I think the best hope for those of us who are trying to avert national bankruptcy is, is <laughs> that the actual cost is limited. But I think as long as there's enough popular Santa Claus items in there, something is going to pass. Uh, speaking of bankrupting our country, they, we're also talking about this debt limit. Is there any realistic idea that we're going to uh, default on our money is or is this another media sort of creation 
Uh, you know, right now, I would say the odds are that Congress is going to come to an agreement on the debt limit and not we're not going to default because that's what always happens. We do this dance every year or two. We get really close to the debt limit and then the parties raise it. Where the media is kind of being dishonest, though, is blaming the Republicans for blocking it when Democrats control the House, <laughs> the Senate yeah. and the White House. And they can pass this in reconciliation with purely Democratic votes and no Republican filibuster. They have the power to do this all by themselves, and they haven't. And they're blaming the Republican minority for their own refusal to pass their own priority bill, which is 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 bizarre, to be honest. Democrats can do this themselves. And historically, this is how the debt limit works. The majority party provides the votes to raise the debt limit. The minority party usually doesn't help out much unless they get something in return. That's the way the game is played. That's how the Democrats do when they're in the minority. But ultimately, the Democrats control all three uh, uh, presidency, Senate and, and House. The Republicans are powerless to stop them if they want to raise the debt limit. I love their even the explanation from the media here, which is basically like, look, you know, Democrats, sure, they could do it themselves uh, and, and avoid the, the largest financial cataclysm in our entire history. But they could get negative ads against them if uh, if if they if they do. It's like, OK, I, what you keep telling me this is so important. I don't think you believe it. Uh, last question here before I let you go, Brian. If you had the opportunity, if you have to do one of these two things, one. The $3.5 trillion uh, goes as scheduled and is passed, goes into effect. Or you could take the $3.5 trillion, fly it to Nevada and conduct a nuclear test on top of it. Which one of those two would you choose? Well, I mean, there, I'm sure there are some parts of the $3.5 trillion that help people, but you're also going to get a lot of inflation, bad incentives, poverty, and financial calamity. So I, I don't I don't know what direction I would go on that. <laughs> it's a close call. <laughs> Just the fact that it's a close call is saying something. Brian Riedel, Senior Fellow at Manhattan Institute. Make sure to follow him on also social media as well. Brian, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks, Stu. Sometimes people like to release a little stress by eating a delicious chocolate treat. Uh, maybe if your country is in the middle of going bankrupt uh, or melting down in almost every way imaginable, you might want to have a delicious candy bar. But you know what happens when you eat too many candy bars. You don't feel good. You don't look good. That's just the way it works. I'm, you know, living proof of it. However, Built Bar is here for you. Built Bars come in great flavors. Coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, uh, salted caramel, cookies and cream. Just got a box of uh, cookie dough. They have cookie dough. And they don't taste like protein bars like you remember them. These are delicious candy bars, basically, except they're 180 grams of cal uh, 180 calories or less and 18 grams of protein. I mean, we're talking about something that's actually healthy for you. That's delicious. Is that possible? Yes, it is with Built.com. Go to Built.com. Uh, if you use the promo code Stu15, you'll get 15% off your first order. And that's how they know you like this stupid show. The promo code is Stu15 for 15% off at Built. Dot com. A million billion zillion years ago, long before there was an FDA, there was this medicine that came out. I can't remember what it was supposed to cure exactly, but it was raspberry flavored medicine that was supposed to uh, do some things for kids in a positive way. It was pretty close to antifreeze, uh, the chemical makeup of it, uh, and it wound up killing a bunch of people. And eventually they pulled it off the market. What was interesting about that time period was the federal apparatus to look at these at medicines. There was no FDA, really. So the federal apparatus only did one thing, which was to test it to make sure it actually tasted like raspberry. 
which it did apparently. I mean, that was, it was raspberry flavored, so it got approval uh, and went to market and, and then yeah, had some issues. Some, some people didn't exactly survive that particular era. We've come a long way when it comes to this. And, you know, as, as I would, uh, I'm not a huge fan of federal power. I think the FDA sucks in a lot of ways. But it is good that we do check these things, uh, even if the structure of how we do it is not uh, particularly correct. Um, so we are now getting to the point where we're getting so excited uh, as a nation about FDA approvals uh, that I think it's getting a little out of control here. I mean, outside of uh, President Trump, I'm probably number one biggest fan in America of these vaccines, not of the mandates, but I do think the vaccines are, are doing a really great uh, series of things for people. And, and look, I think if you look at your life, depending which state you live in, my guess is if you look at it compared to six months ago or eight months ago, it's a lot different. I mean, it's really come a long way, not to the point where I would like it or you would like it. It's not back to normal, but it has come a decent amount of uh, way in a relatively short period of time. I mean, certainly came a lot further in the last six months than it did the year before that. So uh, they are now saying that um, that uh, they are just days away from Pfizer not getting but submitting the request for approval for kids to be able to get the vaccine between five and eleven. Now, look. If you're a 65, 75, 85 year old person, to me, the vaccine is a complete no brainer. As you get younger, it becomes a little bit uh, maybe you get some more people would have questions depending on different various health issues. Really, what it amounts to is as you get younger, you have two different things competing here. You are very low risk of dying of COVID or having serious after effects if you get it. You are also very, very low risk if you're going to take the vaccine. Both activities are low risk activities. So therefore, you get to the point where it's just kind of like, you know, I don't know, it's personal choice. I mean, some people really want their kids vaccinated for whatever reason. Some kids really some people, parents really don't want their kids vaccinated. Now, as as conservatives, we typically look at these things and say parents should be able to make decisions about their own kids. We shouldn't be masking them. We should be able to make those decisions. We don't say you can't mask your kids. If your kid wants to be masked, I mean, some kids do fine with it. Some don't. So, you know, you make a decision as a parent. You don't have the government coming in and saying uh, X, Y and Z needs to happen. And I think that's what's going to wind up happening here. I'll be very surprised if they don't get approval. One thing that is interesting about this is it's uh, I believe it's one dose and one third of the amount of a dose, which they believe is going to get rid of uh, the very rare side effects uh, that have been seen with, you know, some kids around between 12 and 15 in particular uh, with uh, a, a temporary heart swelling that is very treatable, but still you don't want it happening. Uh, so uh, it seems to me and various countries have already done this, that one shot is plenty for someone young. Again, that's if you want to do it. It's it's really comes down to whether that kid might spread it. But again, we even see there less spread among uh, children to other groups. So I don't know. Is it it's really all of this is up to you. That's the way society is supposed to operate, at least American society, North Korean society. Totally different. They have they, they get to set the rules at the top. Here we do things a little bit differently, or at least we used to. And I don't know, I think maybe we should go back to that idea. We'll see. Now, if you want to keep your kid away from something, though, vaccinate, vaccinate them up 5,000 times a day before you let them get on social media. That is just, <laughs> that, is, that is me 
telling you how to parent. Congratulations. Uh, Facebook is listening, apparently. They are going to pause their effort to build an Instagram for kids. Now, here's the issue with this. There's two ways to look at this. You don't want your kids on regular Instagram, okay? Now, is regular TikTok worse than regular Instagram? Yeah, probably. Uh, is regular Twitter worse than everything that's ever been invented, including uh, you know chemical weapons? Sure. Yes, all that's true. So, the, like for example, there's a YouTube Kids. You might be watching this on regular YouTube. This show wouldn't be on YouTube Kids because it's not appropriate for children. Um, I mean, if you watched my analogy on how to explain the budget earlier, you know it's not suitable for children. So. They do have a YouTube Kids, and YouTube Kids has a lot of the same videos you can get on normal YouTube, except they're all filtered. They're supposedly approved for kids. Now, they've had problems with that, but I will tell you, as a parent, uh, if your kid, ha you know, your kid's got to sit in front of YouTube for 20 minutes, you'd much rather have them on YouTube Kids than regular YouTube. A lot, there's a lot of the bad stuff is taken away from that experience. So I'm a bit torn on this because so many parents throw their kid in front of Instagram or YouTube to just let them go and, and, and watch, and God only knows what they get into. Uh, with Instagram kids, there was a chance that maybe they could get the worst stuff out of the environment. You know, all the weird uh, adults that ruin everything for kids. So far, they're saying, uh, right now they're gonna pause on that one. There's a big uh, series of Wall Street Journal reports that told us what we already know. No offense to Wall Street Journal, as they did some good reporting on this, but it showed internal research and documentation from Facebook, from Instagram that said, by the way, we realize we're ruining a lot of these kids. We, we realize that our, we want to do what we can to stop it, of course, but we're causing depression. We're causing suicidal thoughts. We're causing, you know, we're causing all of these things. And, you know, it's not necessarily their responsibility to fix that, I guess. I mean, it should be left up to the parents. However, I think as a responsible company, you want to try to fix that stuff. So this could be good. It could be bad, honestly. But the safe thing is not Instagram for kids, not Instagram for adults. Instagram is not on your phone, except, of course, to follow this program. But for kids, certainly you don't want it because it's just a complete catastrophe. Uh, before we go, also, um, John W. Hinckley is going to be released unconditionally. 41 years after he shot President President Reagan and three others outside of a D.C. hotel. We've changed our standards in this country in many ways. But can we not maintain this one standard? Let me give you one piece of legislation I would support. If you shoot a president, you don't get out. Oh, well, what about partial release? No. Oh, what about visiting their parents on the weekends? No. Oh, what about uh, they get to at least get a nice hotel room and it's minimum security? No, don't shoot presidents. Do we have no standards? We can't clear that hurdle. Don't shoot a president. All you have to do to avoid this one is not shoot a president. That's not, a, 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 is this a high bar to clear, really? If you shoot a president, you don't get out of prison. You stay. Well, you know what? We keep you in maximum security the whole time. I'm fine with that. Oh, but he was crazy. He was on drugs. So what? There are some things you just, I don't know, shouldn't do in polite society. Shoot presidents. I feel like that's toward the top of the list. 
So yes, John Hinckley might be the nicest guy in the world. You might want him to uh, babysit your kids and he can walk them through the new Instagram program. But I'm going to say prison forever, full stop. Back in a second. go through your phone and you're going through you just see thousands of pictures and some m most of them are terrible let's be honest about it. you're not much of a photographer at least i'm not and you go through your your feed and every once in a while you see that great picture of your kids or your family doing something awesome and you how do you memorialize that right usually what i do is i click the picture and then i put the little heart at the bottom and then it goes into my favorites folder so every once in a while i see it maybe a little bit more often but that's pretty much it these days. I mean, these things just disappear on your devices. You never see them again. There's a great way to hold on to the really good memories that you have and turn them into art that lasts forever. And the best place to do that is at paintyourlife.com. You can send in any picture you want and you'll get a portrait, a real portrait by a real artist in as little as two weeks. You can choose from a team of world-class artists. You get to kind of peruse their work and see which one looks the best to you. And you can work with them until every detail is perfect. If you want a meaningful and personal way to preserve your memories, paintyourlife.com is the way to go. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, they have a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. 20% off is a lot. You get free shipping as well. Uh, to get this special offer, you have to text the word STU, S-T-U, to 64000. Do that now. You can text STU to 64000. Once again, it's texting the word stew to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text stew to the number 64,000. So if you're a kid and you're following me on Facebook, take your device and throw it into the nearest lake. However, if you're an adult and you're following me on Facebook, uh, you're probably thinking to yourself, why am I never seeing this show? I followed the show. Why am I never seeing it? Well, that's because of the evil big tech. Yeah, that's right. They're always holding us down. Those algorithm robots are always fighting against us. Luckily, we do have a secret solution to this problem. On Facebook, you go ahead and click the follow button, or you can hold it down on your phone. There's a top secret menu that lets you mark me, Stuber Gear, as one of your favorite pages. That means you'll see a lot more of our stuff. And obviously, I'm one of your top one trillion favorite people in the world. So we really do appreciate that. Make sure to uh, add us to the favorites list. And uh, you can drop some comments in our, on our clips and stuff, and we'll uh, use them on the show. A comment uh, from Friday's program. I gave up my Friday night for this crazy show. Must be worth five stars. Yes, it is. It's very much worth five stars. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars wherever you can rate this particular program, unless they give you an option for more stars. Then fill out the maximum. Uh, this one is best stupid ever. I love this stupid show. Five freaking stars. Thank you so much. And remember, when you rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, it not only helps this show, but also hurts others. And that is the most important thing you can do with your time. Uh, Trump has uh, won another straw poll. Why do we even hold straw polls right now? If Donald Trump's name on it, he's going to win. This is Donald Trump's party. Uh, 100% uh, as, as it's blatantly clear to anyone who watches. Uh, he won 47.5% of the vote. Ron DeSantis was second with about half of that. 25%. Christy Noem, third with 8%. Ted Cruz and Nikki Haley had 6% of the vote. Look, we all know, we can be realistic here. I mean, Donald Trump is going to make the decision as to who uh, the next president is if he runs. 
I mean, at least as far as the uh, nominee. I can't, I, we can't guarantee he's going to win, but it would be a stunner, honestly, if he didn't just walk away with the nomination. Uh, he, it's just, you know, it's his, it's his organization. He won it in 2016, and, you know, there was a little pushback around that time, but really it's been years and years and years since you've seen much of anything. And a lot of times you can, there are things obviously behind the scenes that go on, you know, Mitch McConnell and him butt heads and there, there's that back and forth. Lindsey Graham came out and said, I'm done with this. And then he was back playing golf with him nine minutes later. There's, it's just, it's just Donald Trump's party. If he wants the nomination, it's his. Um, there is that interesting dynamic that's going on though with some on the left who are looking at what their party is doing and thinking, this is nuts. This is nuts. Uh, Bill Maher is one of those people. Now, Maher said a while ago he wasn't a big fan of the Black National Anthem. This was uh, played in one of the, the, the first football game, the, uh, the Thursday night game that kicked off the season with the Bucks. Um, and they, they played the Black National Anthem. They did the same thing last year. And his point was like, Anna, look, we don't need two national anthems. That's segregation under a different name. Well, Whoopi Goldberg uh, fired back at that, and she had some interesting commentary. She said um, that we're going to have to re-educate people. Always a good instinct, by the way. When you want to re-educate a group of people, always a good instinct. Um, on how to treat women and minorities because we've gone backwards a good 10 or 15 years. Uh, this is a bizarre line of thought. We can get into more later. Um, uh, she also said, uh, we don't think rape humor is funny, which I don't know what that has to do. I, I have no idea how she's tying these things together. We don't think talking about Native American people in a really despicable way is not funny. Now, she said, we don't think it is not funny, which I mean, think means she thinks making fun of Native, Native Americans in really despicable ways is funny. So that's the official position of Whoopi Goldberg. Marr said on Friday that Goldberg's comments seem to be a lot about the need to school me on the Black National Anthem itself without discussing his main point. He said, when it comes to an anthem, it doesn't have to be the one we currently use. It just has to be, you know, one of them because it's a national anthem. And symbols of unity matter. And purposely fragmenting things by race reinforces a terrible message that we are two nations hopelessly drifting apart from each other. That's not where we were 10 years ago, and it shouldn't be where we are now. Maybe Whoopi was right. We have gone backwards. Tonight, uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, America's team, will take on a local gathering of criminals from, a, I think, a prison block in Dallas here uh, at their stadium. That's going on tonight. If you are, happen to be a football fan, you need, you've seen the mug here, maybe sitting here today. It's brand new. This is the first day uh, we've had it. Uh, it's the Colin Kaepernick special. Uh, and we have the T-shirt as well, available at stewdoesmerch.com. It looks like it's a pro Colin Kaepernick shirt, and it says, always remember, before Colin Kaepernick ever took a knee, he lost his job to Blaine Gabbard. You can always remember that. We do have uh, these as well. Uh, the tank tops are in uh, for uh, woke wokeness this week. Now, this is, these are for the ladies. Guys, don't try to pull off a tank top. You know, I don't know. If you're in the NBA, you can try it. But seriously, uh, for the wokeness, where is it? Uh, I'm turning it the wrong way. Wokeness is weakness. As well. Very cool. And uh, we still have Nancy Pelosi uh, sucks pens. They're back in stock. Don't miss them while they're here. They tend to go uh, very quickly uh, at stewdoesmerch.com. Check it out. Stewdoesmerch.com. Okay. So here's what happened. An alligator. He's out walking. Maybe he's eaten a couple too many fat people. All right. It happens. Sometimes you indulge. Okay. Tries to go in the, the gutter to get away down the storm drain there. What happens? He's too fat to fit. 
Come on. I mean, it happens. Have a built bar every every now and then, alligator. Okay, stop eating all of us fat people. Um, However, I will say this. Alligators don't attack humans for no reason at all. They only attack when they're photographed and ridiculed by millions online for being a little too fat to fit down the drain. I mean, an officer took a selfie with the fat alligator. Come on. That's just not right, guys. Be nice. Be understanding. Built.com.